Hey friends, welcome back to the show. I am so excited to dive into an amazing conversation that I had with Hannah Murphy all about how her business skyrocketed and what strategy she used to go from three clients to almost 27 clients in just six months. Her results are incredible and I'm so excited for you to hear all about her journey and what she did in order to get there. Not just, you know, here's what I did to gain clients, but almost the behind the scenes stuff right? The stuff that not not everybody wants to talk about. They're just like, tell me what to do. Give me the strategy and I'll do it. But there's a lot that goes into it too. So I'm really excited that we, I'll, this episode will take you on a journey from that. We're, we're going to dive into what, you know, the specific thing that Hannah did to grow her client roster, to gain so many clients in such a short period of time. But I really think that the tips and the nuggets that Hannah shares about that process of getting there and how she landed there and how she was able to sustain that is really important too. So without further ado, let's go ahead, dive on into the show, and let's go meet Hannah. Welcome to the Freelancer to CEO podcast. This is the podcast for overwhelmed freelancers who are ready to simplify and scale their business so they can earn more and stress less. I'm your host, Aubrey Malik, and I'm a former elementary teacher who launched my own freelancing business, and now I want to share all my secrets with you. Each week, I'll be sharing business strategy, systems, and tactical tips that you can take into your business today so you can finally step into that CEO role you desire. Let's dive on into the show. Hey, Hannah, welcome to the show. I am so excited to have you on today. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited for this conversation. Yeah, I I can't wait to dive on in. I am like on the edge of my seat myself. I've got my pen and paper here. I'm ready to take notes on our topic today. But before we dive into all of that, I would love for you just to give us a little bit of background about who you are, what you do, and how you got started. Yeah, so um, I live in Australia. If you can't tell, my accent is Australian. <laughs> um, and a little bit about me. So I run a, I kind of have two sides to my business. I have a virtual assistant agency side to my business. And then I also do coaching and consulting for other service providers. So I have both. I love both. Um, but how I got started was I was in my first year of university studying primary teaching. And while I was loving teaching, like I I finished school, graduated, like wanting to be a teacher, like that's all I'd ever known, all I'd ever grown up wanting to be. Um, And then I was in my first year of uni of a four-year degree and I was like, this is four years. I like need some income (laughs) during this time and tried like every side job possible from like before and after school care to retail to hospitality to all the things. And like, I'm a big goal setter dreamer um, and none of them were super fulfilling. And I was like, look, I can do this for four years and try and earn some money, but surely there's something else out there that I can try. And um, during that period of time where I was kind of going through that, I saw someone post an Instagram story no idea how I was following them. They were a business coach in the US and um, they were looking to hire a virtual assistant. I literally had to Google what a virtual assistant was. Like that's how much I didn't know about the business world. And then from there, I thought, wow, that's really cool. I could do that and reached out to her saying, look, I've never 
been in the business world, no idea how to do this, but like if you're wanting to train me, more than happy to learn. And that was my first client. She was so gracious in giving me the role, giving me the chance. Um, and that was for like a, about a three to four month contract. And during that time, I did a lot of tasks um, that were all over the place, which was perfect for me because I was able to see what I liked and didn't like within the business world and had to learn very fast what the business world was, what it looked like, how to, you know, be successful within it. And one of the tasks I did for her was Pinterest management and really loved it. And so that was kind of where I started to niche into blog and Pinterest management for photographers. So that was like, four, five years ago now. So my business has, of course, evolved and changed since then. But yeah, that was my first client. And then from there, um, got the next few that were like within that niche and then went from three to 27 clients in six months, which I know we're going to dive more into from there. But yeah, so huge growth within my business. And now five years later, I have graduated with a primary teaching degree, um, but haven't left the business world because I love it too much. Well, you are in good company here. I did not know this about you, Hannah, but I am a former teacher. I love it. Um, I I did that whole thing too. I mean, I I graduated. I got my master's degree. Mm-hmm. I was teaching for five years, and um, you know, my our stories are are a little bit different in the sense of like I really want. I had kids, and I was like, I yeah. want to be at home raising them. But but the same with you as far as like, I knew that I wanted to be able to contribute not only financially to my family, but I was like, I, I like working. I like reaching goals. I like be, you know, pushing myself and challenging Mm -hmm. myself. So I knew that like, it wasn't, I wasn't that I didn't want to ever work again. I was like, it just needs to look differently and it needs to fit into what I want it to look like. Um, So I love that. And I also love that you just took this leap even though you didn't have this full picture of like, I don't even know really what is totally involved with being a virtual assistant, but this sounds intriguing to me. So I'm just going to go out on a limb and try it because I think that's, that's the hardest thing for people to do. They want to make sure they have all their ducks in a row. They want to make sure that they have everything lined up perfectly before they actually go ahead and start putting themselves out there. So can you speak to that? Maybe how, how you were able to do that, or if it is just something that comes naturally for you, I'd love to get your perspective on that. Yeah. Such a good question. And definitely not something that comes naturally. Like I would say I'm definitely way more introverted. Um, and like, I can run, like I still do teach, like I do kind of one to two days of teaching a week just like as relief. And when I'm like in a classroom, I can be confident, but when I am not, like I find it very hard to step out, be bold and that kind of thing. But at the same time, I... I think what drove me was that I didn't know anything else. Like I didn't know what was right or wrong within the business world. And I just like, I guess my goal and desire to run a business, to have a client, to be able to work from home was greater than the fear of it not working out. And I really had to come to the point where it was like, the worst thing that can happen is they say no, or they don't reply. And within the scheme of things, that's really not that bad considering how, you know, amazing the opportunity could be. And with that, I was very clear in that I didn't have experience, like I would need to learn and that kind of thing. So yeah, I think just that desire and goal was what drove me. But I often talk with my business friends and I say, you know, when I first started my business, like there was so much more like hustle and like no fear. And I find the longer I'm in business, 
the more calculated my decisions are, which like, yes, there's good sides to that, but I do often have to remind myself of when I was first starting my business and reminding myself like all the opportunities I was able to get because I really did like just go all in without overthinking it too much. And it's it's very hard to do in business, but it's definitely worth it with the payoff that can come from being bold. You're so right. I actually tell a lot of my students this yeah. because when they first hear about, you know, freelancing, becoming a virtual assistant, they're really intrigued. They're really excited. And mm-hmm. a lot of times it's after I do one of my challenges where they are like, they're, they're on fire. Their energy is so high. They're so ready to tackle like the world basically. Yeah. <laughs> they're just like running on this high. And I tell them so many times, I'm like, do not like sit for a week and just like not do anything. Like you need to use this fire and this momentum, this excited energy to propel you forward. Mm Because if you wait even a week, you are going, there's going to be a million reasons why you shouldn't do this. You're going to have all these doubts and all these fears. So you're so right. I truly believe that like in the beginning, you're so excited about something new and fresh and the opportunity that you are, you're more willing to put yourself out there. But I agree with you. And, and it, you know, they say have the saying new level, new devil. It's like anytime, yeah. like your business is growing, it's great. It's exciting. But then you're like, oh shoot, yeah, like, <laughs> imposter syndrome. And, and what if this doesn't work out? And what if the, I can't sustain this? So you're totally, totally right with that. Um, I would love to touch on just briefly here. I know that you said, which which I love because I think that this is one of the best ways to figure things out. Again, like there are so many people who are like, I want to have it all together. I want to know exactly what I'm going to offer and what it's going to look like. And I love how you just kind of dove in and allowed yourself to figure out what you actually enjoy doing from taking action. I think that's mm. one of the best things that you can do because sometimes you don't know what you don't know. And and yeah. I know for me, and I'm sure for you too, coming, not coming from the business world, I didn't even know what was available to me. Like I didn't even know that business owners needed support with certain things until I actually got in there and started taking action and and even just kind of put myself out there and like, hey, I'm willing to take on tasks. I'm willing to try things. And I think that's one of the best ways to really figure out what it is that number one, you like, but number one, that or also that you're good at. So I would love to just touch on how you did decide to niche down into Pinterest and how that really helped you. Because I think, there's a misconception out there that, well, if I stop offering all of these services, then I'm closing myself out to all these clients who could potentially work with me. If I only offer one thing, or if I'm only known for this one thing, then the pool of clients that I could potentially work with just got so much smaller. Mm -hmm. Um, Did you find that to be true? Or did you find it to be the complete opposite? Yeah, I definitely found it to be true. I think like I know a lot of um, the reason behind niching is from a marketing perspective in terms of people will say like, you know, the more niche you are, the more clear it is what you do, the easier it will be to get clients. And 100% yes, that is what I found. But at the same time, when I decided to niche, my reasoning wasn't so much marketing. It was actually more from a time systems perspective because when I was like with this one client I had, obviously I was like brand new to business. So there was also that other layer where I was trying to understand everything. But I found with that client, my brain had to be in so many different minds of thinking from like replying to clients was a totally different like mindset to then growing her business with Pinterest and then a totally different mindset to, you know, helping with this task and that task. And so it, I found it very hard to actually give my 100% to something because I was like so all over the place 
that it was hard to really find a flow, find a system and get in the right frame of mind to do the task. So that's actually why I originally decided to niche. And in terms of deciding what to go with, the two biggest things for me was number one, what I enjoyed doing um, was a big thing, of course. And then the other side to it though was like, what actually is their demand for within the industry? And um, there was a lot at the time for Pinterest. And so that's kind of where it was like that happy marriage between what do others want and what are they willing to pay for right now um, that is a no-brainer offer for them. And then also what is like, uh, am I happy to fulfill this no-brainer offer and does this excite me? So it was definitely finding the two um marriage between that really helped me finalize my packages and grow within that but I definitely think you do need to evolve and change and you're never like stuck within something like today I actually don't offer um, Pinterest I only do blog management so like it can change and evolve but I do think trying to streamline trying to find what the industry is needing of you right now is definitely a great place to start yeah I didn't even I mean I, I know from from being in it that it is hard to have multiple clients doing multiple different things right. and trying to juggle all that. Um, and I, I remember there were so many different things of like, well, I'll do I'll do this client on this day and I'll throw in some of you know this client because they're similar things because I, I felt that same way of, yeah. oh my gosh, I'm trying to jump from task to task. Like I know I was not being productive. Mm. Yeah, so true. And I, I like going back to the clarity part, um, often I think we really can overthink the best decision. Like, should my package include this or this, or should I take this client on or should I do this? And I think the biggest thing I found, as you said, was if I take action, I'm going to like, obviously intentional action, um, and having some form of thought or process before you dive into it. But once you take that action, I really quickly know if that was the right choice or not. And through that, I'm like, I, I make sure I never feel stuck in my business because I'm like, okay, I can easily get out of this contract. I can easily move here. And like it, that I'm never like, I've created a business to do what I love and I'm going to make sure my business is set up to do that. But sometimes the best way to get clarity is to actually take action. Yeah. So, so true. Um, and so you were saying too, that you still, you're, you're still teaching two days a week. Is that correct? Yeah, I, um, I still love teaching. <laughs> I think I'll never get, like get rid of that teaching heart. And I found with business, like I, I don't know if you follow the Enneagram, but I'm like a hardcore Enneagram three and I really needed an outlet that I wasn't focusing on business, but I was still like doing something that my brain had to focus on and teaching was a great way to do that <laughs> because I literally have to focus on the kids in the class and manage the behavior so like it's not my own classroom I just go in and like fill in for teachers when they're sick and that kind of thing but yeah I really love that and I think it it creates a healthier balance within my life to have both okay so you're helping out in in classrooms mm -hmm. two days a week mm -hmm. you have an agency you are also coaching yeah how do you do this <laughs> um yes often I ask myself the same question um I think like there's so many things that go into it but this I would say the three biggest things that have helped the first thing is having a schedule that reflects 
my personality and my lifestyle. And the reason I say that is because I used to try and like copy and paste someone's schedule. Like, oh, they do, they batch their content on Monday morning. So I'll do that the same way as them and follow their routine. And like, it just never fitted. It never worked for me. So I create a schedule. I still batch because I do think like it is important to like minimize that kind of task switching and thinking of different kinds of tasks. Like that's why I group them. So I do have a schedule that um, is for three days a week and I really love it. I maneuver it around. I put mine on Google calendar and I just find that helpful because if I wake up one morning and I'm sick, like in my opinion, flexibility in my business isn't going, I'm sick. I can't work today, but it's fine. I can do something the other day. Flexibility is actually like waking up going, okay, there was structure in place. These are the things I was meant to do today. So all I've got to do is reschedule them. And it's like the slightest shift, but it just helps me go like, okay, it's all right. I know what I need to catch up on. I know what I need to reschedule, et cetera. So I definitely um, batch and have a schedule. So that's the first thing that's really helped. The second thing that's really helped is I'm like constantly auditing my to-do list because a lot of people teach like teach productivity in terms of efficiency, like how fast I can get my to-do list done. But instead, I'm always asking myself the question, like what's actually on my to-do list and is this effective in growing my business today, this week, this month, this year? So I'm constantly going like, is there anything I can automate more without sacrificing, you know, client customer experience? Is there anything I can streamline more, make sure I have better systems for so that I'm not like repeating a task constantly? Um, And is there any tasks that I need to eliminate in this season? So that's the second thing is like constantly brain dumping, constantly auditing. And the last thing is team. Definitely could not do it without a team. But I've learned very quickly with team that before I get to outsourcing, I have to make sure that my business is ready to outsource because outsourcing can be the greatest blessing, but also the greatest burden at the same time if not done well, like if there's a way I can automate a task so that actually doesn't rely on anyone on my team or me, awesome. Or how can I like regulate um, success within the team so that I'm not freaking out if they've done a task or not, but I actually know that task is being done because we have a system in place and I'm just hiring someone to outwork the system. So those three things are probably the biggest that have really helped me manage all of those things um, with a lot of grace and a lot of kindness to myself as well. Yeah, for sure. So many things that you said resonated with me. Um, We actually just within my team did like a huge audit of the to-do list because Mm -hmm. I was at that point where I was like, this is overwhelming. We need to figure out a better way to structure this. Um, So we just went in and and just with the way my brain works, like we just organize things into like, these are the things like today that are your must do's. These are the things that like you can do. Cause of course it's so easy to go in your to-do list and to find things that like, Oh, this is super easy or this is fun. I want to do this first, but really is that the highest priority? Mm. So yeah, we totally just did this too. And then talking about the team, I think so many people want to get to that place where they can bring on a team member because 
it's almost that feeling of like, I've made it. Like I, I'm making enough money to be able to bring yeah. somebody on to like help me in my business. But I also just caution people with that too. It's mm-hmm. it, 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 hiring somebody and bringing somebody on in and of itself is a lot of work. So yeah. I love what you said there about like, is my business ready for this? Because it's not as easy as somebody coming in and just being like taking everything off and you're just sitting back and relaxing. Like yeah. that in and of itself is a huge, huge process. I mean, very helpful. And I agree with you. I, I couldn't be where I'm at my business without a team, but it took a while to get there. And even totally. with at any time we've brought somebody new on, there's, there's growing pains, there's mm-hmm. learning curves, there's figuring, figuring new things out, figuring out better ways to do it. So mm-hmm. yeah, I loved everything you just said there. Yeah. So true. <laughs> Um, okay, so I want to dive into, I know it's taken us a little bit to get here, but I think all of this is kind of like perfect to build up to this conversation today, really, which is a jaw dropping statement of going from three clients to 27 clients in six months and how you were able to do that without feeling like you were running yourself into the ground. So I would love to just talk about even the behind the scenes of what that was like and the different strategies that you use to grow so quickly yeah so um first off I think you hit on it perfectly like the new level new devil thing like I always thought if I can just hit this certain amount of client this certain income like I would have made it but at every single stage every single stage of growth in my business there was always another thing I had to you know refine and problem solve and it's just different right and so that definitely was my season in that six months. I went through like every single possible growing pain you could possibly go through um, in that season. But so first off, how I got them. So the first thing I did was, so I had that initial client and then I had a few other kind of generalist clients that I was really just finding my feet. And I probably did that for about six months of just trialing different things seeing what works, seeing what doesn't, doing research within the industry and that kind of thing. And then from there, um, I refined a very clear, like no brainer offer package, which at the time was like Pinterest management or Pinterest and blog management. So those were kind of my two packages. And that was really important for me to get a very clear package system pricing down so that I could very easily say what I did, how I did it, and make sure that it was what people were wanting and needing. So that was the first thing. And then from there, I actually direct cold pitched people. So I researched like who my ideal client was because I remember creating my website, I had like only those generalist clients at the time and I published it and I was like, whoa, it's ready. And then I had the thought of like, oh wait, but how are my ideal clients actually going to find this website? So that was when I was like, oh, I would see all these people on Instagram going, man, I wish she was my client. I wish that was my client. Like I would love to work with them. And I remember thinking there is no way they're going to magically come across my website. I need to research and get in front of them. And so I would direct cold pitch. So I remember the first day I pitched, I had 10 like amazing, I like personally targeted photographers because they were kind of matched my services and that kind of thing. So I had 10 amazing photographers I wanted to work with. I pitched them and I remember setting them all out being like, what the heck have I just done? (laughs) That was scary, (laughs) Um, but did it. And I got one 
reply from that in 24 hours. And I remember being like, oh my gosh, it was a dream client. I got them on a sales call, booked them as a client and they became kind of that first initial client in these new packages. And then from there, I was like, okay, so for every 10 pitches I send, I get one client. So that's the math I tried to work with. And I just pitched and pitched and pitched and pitched. Um, And so that was a huge part of the growth. So of those 27, um, about like 15 to 20 came from literally direct cold pitching. Uh, And then the others came from referrals because it's like you get in front of them, you get the client. And then from there, I always had the mindset that if I can nail this person's client experience, get them great results and love them like a friend in a very genuine way, then they could bring another client for me and I could offer them like a a um, payout as well to help thank them. So it's like a win-win for both of us. So that's where I really like honed in on my referral program. I mentioned it in onboarding. I mentioned it every few months to clients with updates. I um, mentioned it when, you know, they were offboarded, like at any point I could in the customer journey, I mentioned my referral program. So then a lot of my clients came from referrals. So those two were like my top ways of getting it. And I would say how I got 80 to 90% of those clients. And then the others came from like Instagram um, and people sharing about like their services and then finding my Instagram or just searching Pinterest manager, like that kind of stuff. So that's how I sort of got those 27 um, and managed them. So I hired a team at probably about 10 clients. Um, But I, yeah, I loved it. I think being a service provider is like the greatest thing ever, but you definitely have to work strategically in how to get them in like a short-term strategy if you're wanting to grow short term, right? Um, so yeah, hopefully that helps. Yeah, I'm I'm loving this. I'm this is just so perfect timing. Um, because we actually within my mastermind, we were talking about ways to get clients and one of my ladies within there, she's like, it's just not, you know, I'm I feel like I'm doing all the things on Instagram and it's not yeah. happening. And I'm like, well, okay, let's let's talk about what has worked for you in the past. Mm-hmm. Because instead of trying just to like pour all this, all this gasoline on Instagram and trying to make that, you know, work for you, what actually has. Mm-hmm. And she's like, well, I've gotten like a couple of my, of my like really solid clients from cold pitching. Yeah. I'm like, well, why aren't you doing that more? Yeah. And she's like, oh, I don't know. And I'm like, well, let's start there <laughs> and start out, like send out some cold pitches. And literally like within an hour, she sent us a screenshot of like, this person's already booked a discovery call. Yeah. So I Love this. I, if you don't mind, I would love to talk a little bit about cold pitching because I know that that can feel super overwhelming for people. Like, mm-hmm. who do I even pitch? And am I going to come across as like sleazy and slimy and salesy? So, yeah. what would you say are like your top things that you think a cold pitch should have in order to get it opened? Um, and I love that you pointed out too that it's not like it's not for every cold pitch that you send, like you're going to get a potential client. Like you, you kind of figured out, okay, I have to send 10 of these in order to just get one. So it is a numbers game, but yeah, I would just love to die. Maybe even like dissect some of your like cold pitch things. I, it's so interesting to me. hundred percent. And I think everyone knows what a bad pitch is. Like, you know, we all get those (laughs) terrible emails. It's like so cringe. Like that's definitely not what I did. And that definitely does not work for getting clients. Um, so important things for the pitch. So the first thing is it really needs 
like personalization in the first sentence. So by that, I mean, is there a connection point you have in common? For example, is there someone like, so one connection point I used was like one of the clients that I had at the time was quite well known in the industry. So I used that as a connection point. Or was there a connection point where they recently got married or did they, you know, recently announce they were pregnant or did they recently go on a holiday? Like what connection point can you find that immediately shows this is not a copy paste pitch, but it's got personality. You've done the research behind what they do, who they are, um, so that you're actually pitching someone in that way. So personality really matters at the start. The second thing is you've got to be very them focused in the pitch rather than you focused. So like by that, I mean, you don't want to share your whole story. You don't want to share your whole services. You don't want to share like I'm awesome because X, Y, Z. You want it to be very them focused. So like, for example, when I was doing Pinterest, I would say, you know, I recently came across your Pinterest account. Um, I noticed you could change X, Y, Z. Um, or like, here's some tweaks you could make, like that kind of thing. And then saying um, a little bit about myself, I am a Pinterest manager. Like, but when I introduced myself, it was like max one paragraph to very succinctly say who I am, what I do. And then having um, a very clear call to action, which for me was like, browse the service page to see if it's a good fit for you. And then I would ask, is this something you're interested in? And then they would reply saying yes. And then I would then send them the the scheduling link. Because if there's no like, you know, um, way for them to easily take action, they won't. And every business owner is so busy, they don't have time to read a massive novel. So you've got to keep it succinct to the point, starting with that personality aspect. And then from there, I then said why, like why I was reaching out a little bit about my services, how that can help them. And then from there, I, it was like, here's the call to action kind of thing. So that structure really helps, but yeah, definitely do the research and then make sure you position your services in a way that it's a no brainer. It brings authority and that it's an easy next step for them to take. Yeah, I love this. And I almost am kind of viewing this as, because I would imagine at this point now, Hannah, you're at a point in your business where, you know, you don't have to, I'm not saying that you don't work hard, but it's at a point where you are pretty much on a referral basis. People know what you do. Like it's not this constant thing where it's like, I'm cold pitching for the rest of my life. I almost view this as like a little bit of a sprint kind of thing. Like what you did is like, okay, I need to figure out how many pitches I need to send. And here's the time frame I'm going to do it in order to hopefully yield X amount of clients. And then, like you said, you've kind of built that relationship with them. You have a really great onboarding and client experience. So then your business starts working for you in the background. So that's how I would view it. And I would encourage others who are listening to this to view it as that, is that it, this doesn't have to be your forever strategy. This doesn't have to be something that you are constantly feeling like you're having to do but you really, if you want this to be effective for you, you need to be committed to it. That's like number one with anything that you do, right? Like be committed to saying like, this is what I'm going to do. Do your research. Um, and like Hannah said, really have a good pitch about them. I've, I actually just, this was so, I'm sure this person like 
didn't necessarily think about it this way, but I just had somebody in my Instagram inbox. She sent me a message and she was like, Hey, I just want to let you know um, that there is this service that you can use that basically generates a link for you that links out to all the other podcast platforms. So instead of feeling like, Oh, should I put the Apple podcast link on my stories or the Spotify one. She's like, you just have one link. You can do it per episode too. And then it lets them choose like which route they want to take. And I was like, wow, that was so genius. Like, but Mm. that was her kind of like giving me a piece of something that would be of value to me. Yeah. And now like in the back of my mind, like that stuck with me. And you know, not right now I'm not looking to like hire out for podcasting because I already have somebody. But if I ever get to the point where I am, because she led with that value she's top of mind for me. Like that's in a really, that's something that will really stick with me. Mm-hmm. So I love how you said like, figure out something that can give them like a little, a little boost or something that can help them. Because even if they don't necessarily take action with you right now, you never know what that, what that, that could lead to later on down the road. Exactly. And I would often get replies to my pitches saying, thanks so much. Like this sounds great, but I currently have a Pinterest manager or like, it's currently not a good fit for me. And to that, I replied, no worries, completely understand. Um, this, I thought I would just mention, I do have a referral program. If you have any friends that are looking to hire a Pinterest manager, um, because I know you would have been a great client. So would love to work with, you know, friends, um, in business that you have as well. Like that automatically then became a referral partner and I would get so many referrals from people that had said no to me. So there's so much ways to use a pitch to then open a door that maybe wasn't your initial idea to it. Um, So, yeah, and I think kind of going back to like not pitching forever, definitely like my – when I first did my business, I was sending like 50 pitches a day. Like I was going hardcore to pitching, right? But now I still pitch, obviously way less um, because of the nature of time and like we don't have capacity to right now bring on 27 new clients in a month, like we can't do that. Um, But I still go back to it when I need a boost of clients because yes, my audience has grown. Yes, I have more ability, but like I can, you know, pitch my email list now and probably get a client from the wait list, but I still use pitching to this day as a form of getting in front of people who I would really like to work with or getting in front of people who would make great referral partners. So it's like a strategy that I have in my back pocket that I know works, that I know is a short-term strategy that I can pull out whenever I need an intake of clients. Yeah, I love that. It's kind of like you can turn the switch like on yeah. or off when you need to, like exactly. if there's a month where it's like, Hey, I've got a couple spots I need to fill. Like, you know what you need to do. And and you kind of have this well-oiled machine of like, I know what works and I've perfected it over time and I can turn it on this month. And then next month, like when I'm booked out or when I'm feeling like I'm at capacity, I don't have to do that. So exactly. I, I love this. Mm. So many gold nuggets in here. Now, 27 clients <laughs> <laughs> probably felt like a lot. I know you talked about hiring a team. Is there anything, any pieces of advice you would give somebody who is getting to that point where they've been in business for a while, they're mostly booked out and they're thinking about outsourcing or bringing somebody in to support them? Do you, 
I guess what I, my question is like, do you recommend that they bring somebody in to help them with their client load or like with their business? And I would love to hear like how you approach that too. Yeah. So the first thing I will say before, so I made a hire too early in my opinion, like my business was not ready for it because my systems were not ready. Like I'm naturally more of an organized person. So it wasn't like hot mess express, but there were so many places that as I was managing those clients, I could have improved. Like I could automate doing X, Y, Z and um, looking at how to systemize something because I think even bringing on a team member, it actually isn't going to solve your time problem that much if you don't have systems. The reason I say that is because if, especially if it's clients, like there's a higher standard of care that needs to happen when it's clients, right? Like naturally, if my blog post doesn't get done one week, it's not the end of the world. But if a client's blog post doesn't get done, it's more serious because they're paying for that, right? So there has to be like systems in place so that if my team member is sick, does my business fall apart? If I'm sick, does my business fall apart? So that is like constantly what I was asking in that season because my answer most of the time was, yeah. So I need to find a way to systemize this so that it's not actually fully relying on me or a team member. And then, as I said before, I like create the system and then I hire someone to outwork the system. Like that's always my philosophy for it. But then in terms of hiring, um, 100%. So I, my first hire, other than a bookkeeper, was actually a um, graphic designer because Pinterest, of course, is very like graph, like visually heavy. And in my own business, I wanted to up level my graphics and that kind of thing um, on different social media platforms and all of that. And like graphic design is not my strength. So that was my first hire and um, it was a good hire, but they their role quickly evolved into like head of client success. So I, I think with hiring, you've got to look at, do I need to hire a specialist or do I need to hire someone who I can train up in something? So with the client work, I had to hire someone who didn't have their own business, who actually wanted to be trained because I needed to look at, um, with that amount of clients, it was gone. It was a lot of hours in the week that I needed to hire for. So I needed someone who a had that availability, but B like when you're dealing with client work, uh, you have to be mindful of profit margins. So, I found mm. hiring someone that I was able to train up, they were at a lower um, hourly rate coming in. So it gave me more hours and it was that's just the logistical part of business, right? But then in my own business, I wanted to hire an Instagram manager to help manage my Instagram. And for me, I wanted to hire a specialist because I didn't have time to fully train someone in exactly how to do Instagram. I wanted someone coming in with knowledge of Instagram, but then I could just fine tweak and click, like make clear what my success metrics were, what, like how many leads I wanted, how many this, so that it was more me giving expectations and them having coming with the knowledge and the strategy. Obviously that costs more. So it's always that balance of like time versus money, um, 
with what you hire, but I definitely hired both kinds in my business. But with clients, it was a very different journey because um, they I had monthly retainer clients. So I had to make sure that before I introduced them to the team member, that that team member knew what they were doing. They had good customer experience. They had the knowledge of the services and they had been there for at least a month so that I didn't like introduce them and then they left, right? Because they didn't like the role. So I had to, yeah, be very careful. And there was a lot of trial and error within that. Um, But I definitely then got it to the point like after that six months where I basically did no client work and it was me showing up on meetings and more managing expectations, making sure things were getting done. Um, and then like, you know, giving strategy or me inputting some things for how we can improve um, and get better results for clients. So it definitely is a big transition and it's very hard. Like I found it way harder to outsource client work than I did my own business stuff because like, yes, of course I care about my business and I want that to grow, but I hold it not as tightly because clients, like there's a certain level of reputation and that's how we get referrals. And so I didn't want it to go like down the drain. So it's very hard to trust someone to take over something that has been your baby, has been the way you've made money um, and has with clients that you deeply care about. So I had to make sure I walked that line carefully and well and definitely made some mistakes but um it's now it's here and I'm like I couldn't imagine not having a team so there's definitely a lot of trial and error with team a lot of growing pains but at the same time if you do it well um it's great yeah I love your perspective on that that's so great about like figuring out if it's something that you want to train somebody up in then that's the route that you take but if it's other things where you're like hey I don't have the time, the energy or the bandwidth or the know-all to be able to do something like then you might be at a place where you're like, yeah, investing in somebody who knows what they're doing because it's going to take stress off of you to not have to like worry about that or think about that or think you, you know, have to have all these things in place. They're going to take care of that for you. Um, and you also know that the job's going to get done well too. Mm. So I love, love your perspective on that. I love this conversation, Hannah. I could go on and on and on, mm-hmm. um, but I want to be respectful of your time, but thank you so much for everything that you shared, for being just so open and transparent with my audience. I know they're going to love this episode and I know they're going to want to come learn more about you and what you've got going on. So please share all of the links and everything that we need to know to connect with you. Yes. So I am on Instagram um, at with Hannah and co. If anyone has any follow-up questions or anything like that, please send me a DM. I'm more than happy to chat it over. I could talk business for days. So (laughs) definitely send a message. Um, And then through that Instagram though, like I have a YouTube channel and different links within that, that you can learn more. And if you are looking for coaching or anything like that, um, then that is the best place to go. And my website is withhannahandco.com. Perfect. We will link all of that up so everybody can come connect with you, send you a DM. I so appreciate you taking the time to talk with me today. Like I said, my audience is going to love, love, love this conversation. So I can't wait for this to get into their earbuds. Thank you again. And I love this conversation with you. Thanks for having me. It was so fun. 
Thank you for choosing to spend some time with me today. I appreciate you so much. If you haven't yet, I would love it if you would leave me a review on iTunes and share this episode in your Instagram stories and tag me. By sharing and reviewing, you can help spread the message so we can reach more entrepreneurs who are ready to scale their business to new heights. I will see you in the next episode.